It's the Eggship Podcast, recap, hurry up, talk about it as much as I can edition. I'm Patrick Mayhorn. I'm the founder of The Eggship. You can subscribe www.theagship.com. That is where the majority of my efforts go. The podcast is a small piece of the outlet. Uh, You can subscribe for $6 a month or $10 a month, depending on the tier that you're interested in. Flagship tier gets you sort of this, this, the general stories you would get from, uh, you know, a place like The Athletic or a newspaper, things like that, game previews. Uh, cover story, game notebook, player features, things of that nature. The flagship tier, which is the $10 tier, is going to get you extra stuff like the film review, the film preview, the depth charts, uh, which I put together every week, the monthly uh, listener Q&A, which went up a couple days ago, um, I think. I think it did. Sounds right. I recorded it a couple days ago. I think I posted it. Um, I'll... uh, I'll check on that to be be sure. I'm pretty sure I posted it. Um, But you can subscribe at www.theagship.com. If you would like to try the flagship tier, which is that $10 tier, for free for one month, um, I think is a really good good deal. It's a chance to see what you would get from from, uh, the site usually at the highest tier. If you don't think that the film stuff is for you, then you can uh, you can switch pretty easily to the six dollar tier. Beyond that first month, um, there's no like binding thing. You can change your your membership. Um, would love to have you. Love to have you aboard. It has been really great support the last couple of weeks here as we've gotten into the season. I appreciate you all for that. Uh, those of you who have joined recently, thank you and welcome. I hope you are enjoying the uh, the content. It has been. I'll say a pretty busy couple of weeks over here in the uh, in the action residence. A lot of stories, a lot of content, a lot of stuff to talk about, um, and we've got uh, we've got another game to talk about here. Don't know how much I'm going to say about it, if I'm being honest. Um, I don't know how much there is to say about it, really. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna talk through some thoughts that I have had in rewatching this game, in writing about this game, in preparing content for this game, asking questions to Blake Anderson about this game, uh, transcribing, all that stuff. But there's really, I think, only so much you can say about a 55-0 Alabama win over Utah State in Tuscaloosa. Utah State now 1-1 on the season, heading into a home bout with FCS Weber State this upcoming Saturday, and then an off week and then a home bout against first conference foe of the season, UNLV. And then a uh, pretty important road trip, I would say, Thursday night, September 29th, to BYU. So there's no slowing down here anytime soon. But Saturday night, it was exclusively slowing down for Utah State. Utah State was, I think, pretty roundly beaten here. Um, really never competitive I don't think uh, first offensive possession there was a little bit of something uh, with a pass complete to Brian Cobbs down the sideline I think that was if memory serves the longest play of the game for Utah State Um, I'm looking yeah 23 yards was the uh, yeah was the longest play of the game the next longest I, I believe was Ike Larson's 18-yard interception return. It was one of those days. Um, it was one of those days. You know, it's uh, 
it's difficult. It's it's difficult to to pull a whole lot from something like this um, personally, and I am not the you know subject of this story, but I am on the podcast by myself, so I'm going to say my own little thing here. Um, personally, I've never covered a 55 point loss before. Um, it's uh, it's a different experience, certainly, than uh, you know covering, uh, you know, a program like Ohio State. It's different. This is not the kind of thing that really happens at Ohio State. It's not the kind of thing that needs to happen at Ohio State. Um, it is an unfortunate uh, fact of, of existence for programs like Utah State, for group of five programs in general. There are not very many who can uh, afford not to play games like this. Utah State is $1.9 million richer for having played this game, for having experienced what it has experienced here. Um, from what I have gathered, <laughs> Blake Anderson was not super pleased about this game being on the schedule. He did not schedule this game. He was not around when this game was scheduled. This was a 2018 decision. Um, I don't really know that this would ever be a good game to play. Personally, I would not, if I was scheduling and it's not up to me, I don't know that I would ever schedule Alabama. There are other teams who will pay you, you know, almost $2 million for, to uh, <laughs> to come to their house and lose. And I don't know that the probably the best program in, the, in college football history is maybe the one to be doing this against. Um, I think Blake Anderson kind of alluded to that on several occasions that he, he uh, you know, first thing he said on the press conference was that he told us guys, you know, he wishes, he wishes that they didn't have to be in this environment. And uh, I, I would imagine that most Aggie fans concur. Um, I don't know that anybody was super happy about this happening. Uh, Alabama obviously got out of it what it needed, I guess, got some reps for backups, got to run up the points, um, you know, got a got an easy game to sell to fans to uh, to open the season. But for Utah State, there's there's not a ton as a as a football program that you can pull from a game like this, other than 1.9 million dollars, which is good. It's it's good to have that money. That's going to be really important for the Utah State athletic department. You've got to have it. You got to have it. You just do. But the football that that comes of games like this is often kind of difficult to uh to talk about I think especially on the side of the team who lost I've been on the other side I've I've covered I think the score was 70 to 5 Ohio State against Miami in 2019 I I've I've uh you know there was an Akron game like this last year for Ohio State I've covered games like this from the other side it's not especially fun from that side either it's not fun in a different way but um I don't know it's not fun it's not fun to to uh <laughs> to watch a 55-point game in general, to watch a 55-point loss for any team, especially not one that you are, uh, you know, in my sake, in my place, covering. It's it's much worse for people who are fans of the team, rooting for the team. I'm not a fan of the team. I just cover it. I, I've very quickly come to uh, have an affinity for the players and coaches and people who make this program go, and the the fans who have you know spent a lot of a lot of time in their lives rooting for this team and loving this team and, and there have been a lot of good moments and there have been a lot of bad moments and this is a this was a bad moment this was a really bad moment you know this was a game where Utah State was never 
even really involved. Um, was never even really a factor, uh, which is not really what you want in a football game with two teams. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it stinks. It's a bummer. It's a bummer to, uh, uh, to, to, to go about the processes with something like this that is so outside of the, the norm, uh, so much of an exception, so different than everything else we're going to see this season. It's, uh, you know, it's difficult to pull a whole lot from that. Like I said, it's, it's, this is not going to be something that Utah State experiences again. This is not something that any of the players on this team, I think, will ever have to experience again, unless in 2025, when they go to Texas A&M, Texas A&M has, uh, by that point, gotten it going to a severe, you know, to a much bigger extent than it is right now. Um, but even then, I mean, this is the best, like I said, this is the best program of all time. The, the run that they are on right now is is unmatched. It's it's historic. I think that the, the roster that they have that Alabama has this season is uniquely historic relative to the ones that they have had in the past. I think that this is pound for pound probably the the greatest roster that Nick Saban has ever fielded talent-wise. And whether that's going to bear out with the national championship, I don't know. I think it will. I, I think that this, I said as much in the preview, um, I think that this Alabama team is probably going to walk to a national championship. Georgia impressed me on Saturday. Um, Georgia certainly is going to be a factor. Those two teams are seemingly locked in a in a national title battle for the uh, foreseeable future. I don't really know who else is even going to come up. I don't think Ohio State is a factor. I don't really think that there's another team beyond Ohio State that could even kind of claim to be a factor. I, I really, I really think it's just those three, and I don't think that uh, I don't think that number three is especially close to number one and two. I, I think Alabama's probably going to walk to a national championship, but. For the sake of Utah State, there's, uh, you know, there's not a ton here. There's not a ton here. It's, uh, you know, final final score 55 to nothing. The stats are not a whole lot better. Utah State finishes the game with seven first downs. Most of them came when the game was well in hand, well into the third and fourth quarter. Alabama had 30 first downs. Utah State rushes 37 times for a net gain of 79 yards, passes... Let's see here. Um, 22 times for 57 yards. No turnovers. Didn't put the ball on the ground. Did not... Uh, well, they did put the ball on the ground three times, but they didn't lose the ball. Um, no no interceptions. No serious injuries, which is, I think, the place that I want to start. That's a positive. That's a huge positive. No serious injuries. There were some guys who got dinged up during the span of this game. A.J. Vongpachan... Uh, Pokesi, uh, Vakata, uh, Hale Motuapuaka, I think are the big three. There might have been a couple other guys. Logan Bonner left the game pretty early with, uh, he had some ankle swelling, but it sounds like all four of those guys are going to be okay. All four of those guys are going to be able to play against Weber State. No major injuries is a huge win. Um, that's something you're always worried about coming into games like this, and to leave without any serious damage done to the long-term health of the program of the starting lineup is good. That's good news. Um, some of the young performers in this game, I think, offered things to be excited about, offered good news, offered, you know, uh, things to think about positionally, you know, depth chart-wise. Um, I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But all in all, it's, it's a game that, uh, you know, you uh you 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 sort through you pull from it what you can and you move on um 
and that's the plan for Utah State. It's the plan for me. Uh, I'm, I'm going to put out a film review uh, later today. If you're listening to this on Monday, I've already put out a cover story in a game notebook. I have I have done my best to uh, to swing it positively. I do think that there is a way to look at this positively. Um, there's certainly ways to look at it negatively, but I, I think that the harder path is to look at things positively and for whatever reason I try to take the harder path when I'm writing my stories um and so I have I've done my best if you need a shot of positivity I think you should go check out that cover story I think that the film review later on today also will be helpful for uh for maybe making you feel a little better if you're an Aggie fan coming out of this weekend feeling discouraged which I I don't blame you for I I get it I I think that this is the kind of game that can really discourage fans, can really discourage a team if things are not right within the program, um, which is good, more good news for Utah State because I think, our, th- I think things are right within the program. I think that, that the way that Blake Anderson has built this program in really short order, um, the, the culture that they have within the team, within the staff, uh i believe this is not an i know and this i i believe that this is a team that can withstand this sort of thing that can i think even honestly more importantly compartmentalize this sort of thing and understand take some perspective here and understand that alabama is not playing the same sport as Utah State, and to lose a game like this, like like they did, is really not instructive at all for the last ten games of the season. It's it's a different it's a different thing entirely. Even B, even BYU, which I think is probably the next best team on the schedule, is uh, you know they they are playing in you know single a relative to to alabama and the mlb if if we're comparing it to baseball and so i don't think that this is one that that uh should really linger i don't think it will i i don't uh i don't know that the program is going to be like able to just immediately get this out of the brain because this is a hard loss this is a hard loss to take this is a hard loss to think about as a player as a coach it's difficult you're these are competitors these are fbs level football players fbs level coaches there there is a a a sense of there's a sense of pride in in going out and playing and when you lose like this that's always going to be damaged but i think that the structure is such that this is something that is not going to be a long-term issue. I don't think that this is going to be something that lasts for Utah State. I think Utah State is going to be able to move forward from this as, uh, you know, to, uh, to probably simplify things a little bit too much. There are these are human beings with with, uh, you know, emotions and, and, and egos and uh, concerns and, and feelings and all this stuff. And it's, you know, it's not just as easy as saying, let's move on. You, you do need to do it. It's a process. You do need to do it. I've taken some losses like this in my day, not at this level. I've not a, I was not an FBS-level college football player, but I've played sports. I've taken losses like this. It's difficult. It's not fun. You know, it's never fun. You, you, uh, you do a lot of thinking. 
in the the days <clears throat> after a game like this. You do a lot of thinking. I think especially for guys who were at Power 5 programs and have transferred to Utah State, guys who were at Maryland or Texas, which is about to play Alabama this week, or Miami or any number of programs, Michigan. Um, you do You do thinking. You do a lot of thinking about you know, having to play this game, uh, about the way that the game went, about all that stuff. But I, I do think that <clears throat> this is a, a team that is pretty well positioned to take this as in stride as it can and move forward. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I've got gunk in my throat. Um, as for the game itself, takeaways from the game itself, offensively there's really not a whole lot, I think, to... Uh, to say, um, Logan Bonner did not play for very long, had some misconnections with his wide receivers. The fourth and short, uh, that I saw the, the much maligned fourth and short, um, where he throws, uh, what was, I think supposed to be probably a back shoulder pass to Justin McGriff that just was, you know, several yards behind him and, and does not end up Resulting in anything, well, there's a screen or a slant coming open across the middle. Um, I think it was probably a, a missed communication there, missed route, maybe bad route. I, I don't know exactly what the uh, what the issue was there. I cannot imagine that the route combination that was called there was a, a <laughs> fade and a go in the boundary uh, to pretty much the same spot on the field. That's not usually uh, a route combination that coaches like because it's not good it doesn't make any sense it's not how you do anything it's not not good it's not how you play football so I cannot imagine that that's what was intended there I'm going to guess that one of those receivers was probably supposed to come back and didn't or didn't early enough that Logan Bonner was expecting an earlier cut than he got I, I cannot imagine that that was what the play was that was called um I would almost think that maybe Terrell Vaughn was supposed to uh to cut back to the outside there. I, I've seen that before, the slot where it looks like a fade and then it cuts back. I think that would have made some sense, sort of a flood concept. Um, it doesn't matter. It, it would not have changed the outcome of the game. But uh, Logan Bonner, that he can remain healthy, that none of the quarterbacks were sacked is good, honestly. Uh, Alabama's pass rush is certainly capable of that sort of thing, and that the quarterbacks all were able to leave this game relatively unscathed is positive. Um, I don't have a whole lot else to say about Cooper Lagar or Levi Williams. Neither of them were really able to get a whole lot going. Um, it just, you know, wasn't a whole lot going on in the passing game. Receivers, similar story. Brian Cobbs had that great catch early on, but not able to get a whole lot going. Um, I liked what I saw from Nana Davis, who is really fast. He's really, really fast. He was, I mean, he was winning. He was winning one-on-one matchups with Alabama cornerbacks. That is a positive. That's a huge positive that he was doing that. Now, those need to turn into completions, yes, but his quarterback was primarily not Logan Bonner. Um, He almost came down with a a really spectacular acrobatic catch near the end of the game on a go route, Uh, had a nice jet sweep, had one reception for nine yards. I'd like to continue to see more of him. He had the most snaps of all receivers. I don't think that that should be the case moving forward. That is not going to be the standard. This was more of a reserves getting playing time thing, but I would like to see more of him. I, uh, I I think that he adds a dynamic to the passing attack that it needs, which is that little extra bit of speed that I talked about on the preview that I talked about last week after the UConn game. Um, that verticality is not just going to, you know, 
uh, sort of, uh, you know, emerge from nothing. It's not going to just show up. You have to do it. You have to go out and, and, you know, put guys in the position that they could do that sort of thing. And I don't think, and again, not a ton to pull from this game, but I still don't think that Brian Cobbs, Kyle Van Leeuwen, or Justin McGrifferly have that dynamic to their game. Uh, whereas I think Nana Davis does. I, I think that he could be that kind of guy. I think Xavier Williams honestly probably could be that kind of guy too, but uh, we have really not seen a whole lot of him. He had 20 snaps in this game, two targets, no receptions. Um, a little worried about that. Becoming a little bit worried about Xavier Williams. Um, we will uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll keep an eye on that. Um, but I, I, in general, passing attack, not a whole lot to pull from it. Running game, not much better. Um, nothing going at all for Calvin Tyler Jr. Just a, a tough day at the office for him. The offensive line was not getting any kind of push really to give him a chance. Uh, the Alabama front, specifically the starting <clears throat> Alabama front, is just too good. It's too big. I, I, there's not a uh, there's not really an answer for them physically. It's not a it's not an easy thing to do. This is not a system that I think is really attuned to making up for massive physical disadvantages. They 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 Utah State plays too straight up to be trying to uh to trick a team like this to to misdirect them to you know uh, minimize the the talent and the size disadvantage utah state likes to play things like a talented team and in the mountain west it is a, a talented team but against alabama it is not and it's uh, it was always going to be a mismatch it was always going to be this kind of uh <clears throat> you know uh, physical struggle. I didn't think it was going to be this bad, but it was, uh, it was bad. It was bad. It was really bad. It was not, uh, it was not close physically, uh, offensively, especially offensive line. It just, the offensive line held up well in pass protection, generally speaking, granted not very many passes and they certainly weren't taking a very long time to develop because they knew it was standing on the other side. But, uh, the run game, I, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that the offensive line really. There's a whole lot to take from this. It's just uh, don't play Alabama. I guess that's the that's the learning point here. Don't play Alabama. Um, I think they'll be fine. Robert Briggs I thought looked good again playing with the uh, playing with the reserves. Would like to see more of him with the first team moving forward. Granted, the first team offensive line played most of the game, but would like to see him in games that are winnable playing these kind of reps 10 carries 12 carries around that range he had another 10 here for 28 yards like i said um he looks good he's got a great wiggle to him very physical for for how small he is uh really really impressed with him early on not a whole lot else that i took from the offense credit to the tackles like i said no sacks against this defense is a you know it's an accomplishment for sure and, and not a whole lot of tackles for loss either i think it was five um honestly could could have been worse now granted again they weren't going very far down the field but that they weren't losing yards on those runs is is uh better than it could have been <laughs> i suppose they you know i think they lost yeah they lost 19 yards on the game and 10 of them were from levi williams and one of them was from cooper Lega. so it's and two of them were from logan bonner so uh, six yards total lost by running backs that that could be that could have been a lot worse that's you'll take that I think if you're if you're Utah State in general defensively um, legitimately kind of I don't think impressed is the right word but pleasantly surprised I think it's weird to say 
<laughs> 55-point loss, but pleasantly surprised by some of the things that I saw from the defense. Um, the coverage was rough. The coverage was not in a great spot. I don't think it was really its fault necessarily. There were some blown coverages that were the defense's, the secondary's fault specifically. Um, I'm going to talk about one guy in particular here in a minute, but um, the coverage was rough because the pass rush wasn't really able to get home. Um, not also not entirely their fault. I don't think there were a lot of missed holding calls in this game would not have changed the game, but it was really bad. It was really, really bad. Um, on rewatch, it was, it was even worse than it was in, in watching it live. Um, those guys are, are, Nick Saban has, he, he has, uh, he has an impact on the referees. I would say it was, it was ridiculous. It was really, really bad. It was bad all game. It was bad with the missed holdings. It was bad with the pass interferences that were picked up at three on one possession. Um, there were times where it felt like because Alabama had a failed play, they would just throw a flag on Utah State, which uh, I don't know. It seems sort of unnecessary. I don't really know that you need to do that against Utah State. Like when LSU comes to town, then yeah, cheat it up. I don't care, whatever. Um, LSU does it at home all the same. It's, it's part of the deal, but... I don't really know that you need to do that in a bye game. Feels kind of unnecessary and sort of mean. Um, I, I I don't know about that. But uh, the pass rush was not able to get home, and the secondary suffered for it because Bryce Young had about ten seconds in the pocket every time he dropped back. He was he was reading a book back there. Um, there were times where it, it was able to get some pressure um, up front specifically. I think the defensive ends impressed me physically. I was I I came away from this thinking that there's really not going to be an answer for Byron Vaughn's Patrick Joyner Jr. and Daniel Greshek in the Mountain West. Those guys are good. Those guys are really, really good. Um, they are, especially Vaughn's and Joyner Jr., just tremendous athletes, really, really impressive athletes, really strong, really fast. Um, Vaughn's was double teamed pretty much all game and held also all game uh, pretty much every single play. <laughs> Really, I'm trying not to to let it bother me too much because it was not going to change the game at all. But that was ridiculous. It, it's uh, it's embarrassing. It's really embarrassing that they get away with that. Um, it was every play. It was. I'm trying. I'm I'm not. Uh, I'm not overstating it. It was literally every play. It was every single play. Um, it, it's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I I feel like if you have every good player in the planet, you probably don't need to do that. But uh, whatever not not my problem anymore um but I, I i thought the defensive line in general held up fairly well uh alabama was not able to run the ball all that well early on in the game uh it had a couple breaks later on but the defensive front not just the line the defensive front improved from last week it's hard to say that in a loss like this but it improved gaps were better gap fills were better um run fits were, were good uh throughout the game Tackling was better. It wasn't perfect, but it was better. They looked much cleaner in the way that they handled their assignments up front in this one. The the Utah State defense did. I was impressed. I was I was impressed with the way that they they were spilling runs. They were, like I said, fitting gaps. They were making the plays that they were supposed to make, and that is an improvement from the UConn game. And that is going to be really really helpful if that is sustainable moving forward. That is a big deal. That is a big part of why the UConn game was as close as it was. That is the big part of why that, the big reason that that was, that game was so close. It was because of poor run fits and they were much, 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 much better in this game. 
I think that's something to be really happy about. I would guess that that uh, <clears throat> Efrem Bondo, when he sat down to watch this game, uh, if he has done that, I would assume he has already. I don't know if they do that on Sunday. I think they probably do. Um, not going to be a ton to pull away from this that he's happy about, but I think the run fits legitimately he will be pleased with. Um, and the tackling. Tackling was better. wasn't perfect, like I said, but it was better. Um, up front, not anybody else who really stood out to me. Uh, linebackers-wise, the linebackers are sort of just, I don't know, they're there. <laughs> they're, they're there and they do their jobs pretty well, but neither of them really stand out to me, of Tafisi or, or Vong Pachan. The, uh, I've not seen anything really spectacular from either of them. They're just, I think, competent uh, starting-level linebackers. I don't think that the options behind them are any better, um, but I've, I've not been, I've not seen them as, like, stars to this point, which I think is fine. I don't think you need them to be when you have the uh, the defensive ends that this team has, and hopefully at some point the defensive tackles as well if uh, if those guys can stay healthy. I did come into the season pretty high on those guys, so I think that that's still a possibility. Um, there is a position in the sort of front, it's 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 the go-between with, with the front and the secondary that I would like to see some new faces in. Uh, Stryker. Stryker has not been good. Stryker was not good in this game either. Stryker was certainly not good in the UConn game. Um, I think Omario KK actually provided a little bit of a spark there once he got into the game. He played about 35 snaps, if memory serves, and handled himself pretty well. He's a good athlete, and uh, I, I thought that he was generally in the right place at the right time. Um, would like to see more of him. It's uh, I'm to say nice, say this nicely. Um, it's a big week for Kaleo Nevs. Uh, this this upcoming weekend, this is a big game for him. Uh, I need to personally, I need to see something else from him. I I need to see something better because he has, uh, the, generally speaking, in the last two games, if there has been a missed assignment, like a badly missed assignment on the defense, it has been twenty three who has been in the wrong place. Um, coverage assignments have been not great. The run fits last week were really not good from him. They they were better in this game. They still weren't perfect, but it it my read on it from watching it. And again, I don't know the play calls here. I don't know what the exact assignments are. But from just what I know about football um, and what I know about the way that that defenses are usually designed, it seems like Nevs is sort of the the connecting fiber between a lot of these, the missed assignments that we have seen, uh, where he is generally, I think, too aggressive and and too eager to get himself involved in plays that he really doesn't need to be involved in. Um, he's got a little bit of that uh, kind of ball tracking syndrome uh, where, where it's sort of like how you play a video game if you uh, if you if you've played a football video game or how you watch a football game as a as a consumer as a fan where your eye is on the ball and you're really not keeping track of a whole lot else he he's been caught out of position quite a few times because he's trying to get closer to where the ball is and not where it might be and there were several blown coverage assignments down the field specifically where there was just nobody in a zone and I think it was because he was in the wrong place um, I, I would not be surprised if we see less of him moving forward because that's not the kind of thing that's going to slide. I think that he still has a chance to bounce back and, and prove himself, but it's not been a, uh, it's not been a good start to the year for, for him. Uh, and I think that, 
somebody like Okiki should probably get, should, should get a chance. Um, would not hate to see uh, somebody like Dom Tatum given a shot in that role. We saw him a little bit, didn't get to do a ton. Um, but as he continues to be healthy, I think he has the physicality to do that. Or even somebody like Gervin Hall, who has struggled in coverage, but I think has been generally pretty good against the run, pretty good tackler. Not perfect, but I, I wouldn't hate to see him step up into that role, a little bit more of an aggressive role, let him play downhill. And then in his place as a deep safety, I would put Ike Larson right now, who is the the shining star from this game. Seven tackles, one interception, one punt block, one quarterback hurry. It was a beautiful interception, and it was a fantastic punt block. It was schemed up. It was not just him, but... He just keeps making plays. He just keeps making plays. He's in the right place at the right time. He is not perfect either. He has had his mistakes, but he seems to be really, really taking to heart his assignments, his responsibilities when he's out there. I think that he's a really nice team player on defense for as many, you know, he's had these star plays. He's had these these shining moments, but I think one of the best things that he's done right now is that he is willing to just do what he's told to do. He's willing to just be in the right place. Um, Sometimes the best thing you can do as a defender, as a football player, is to just be in the right place. Just do the thing that you're supposed to do. Just do your job. And uh, I think that's that's an old Will Muschampism, is uh, (laughs) halftime at a national championship game or something where he's drawing up on the the whiteboard, um, you know, Drawing up the play, slapping the whiteboard. Everybody just do your job. Um, that is a refrain I have heard a lot from defensive coaches, and I think Ike Larson is doing a really good job of just doing his job right now. Um, he's somebody who keeps keeps popping up, keeps standing out to me. I would really like to see him get a shot in the starting lineup this week. Uh, I don't think it. I don't think you need to wait. I really don't. I, I think that he's ready. Um, I, I would like to see him get a shot in the starting lineup. I think that he brings something like Davis on the other side. I think he brings a top-level athleticism and a top-level ability that, that is not currently there in the safety room that I would like to see, um, especially in a game like Reber State where there's room for, for mistakes, there's room for young guys making errors. I'd like to see Ike Larson get a shot at the starting lineup because he's, he's really, really coming on strong. He's really turning out to be... A uh, an impressive player, an impressive young man. Um, I, I have uh, I have nothing but good to say about Ike Larson right now. I, I've uh, I did not think he was going to be this good this early, but he is absolutely this good this early. He he is every bit as good as he looks on you know watching it live, uh, rewatching it, watching it for scheme, watching it for film, all that stuff. Um, I, I the notes I was taking, every one of them was positive for for Larson. He's in the right place. He's doing the right thing. He is technically sound. He's getting low when he tries to make his tackles. He's tackling well. He is tracking the ball when he's playing coverage, but he's not leaving his zones. He is strong in man coverage. Uh, he He's just good. He's just really good. He's really, really good. I think that he's somebody who needs to be on the field. Um, rest of the secondary didn't, didn't take a ton from not sure that there was really a ton there Michael Onyanwu is good he's impressing he tackled well um Hunter Reynolds is usually in the right place as well he's somebody who's pretty reliable uh Gervin Hall is, has had his his moments um he's also had some moments where he has been a little bit too aggressive 
I would like to see that toned down a little bit. But I, I think in general, the defense honestly was not that bad in this game. It was it was a it was a circumstance that was not tenable. Um, this was never going to be a game where the defense was able to do a whole lot positively. But for as much as it was on the field, uh, for the field position that Alabama usually had, uh, the defense I think held its own fairly well uh, physically was not uh, was not quite as, as badly tattered as the offense was. Um, and, and I think had some moments of legitimate positivity. That's what the film review is going to be about. There are some changes I would like to see. There are some guys I would like to see step up. There are some guys I would like to see into bigger roles. But right now, my, my feelings on the defense, honestly, are a little bit higher <laughs> coming out of this game than they were coming out of the UConn game, which is... <laughs> a testament, I guess, to my positivity, to the human spirit. Um, but I, I think they tackled well. They filled the gaps well. I, I, I think they did their jobs here. It was just a matter of you ran into a tank. You were trying to defend a tank, and a tank is bigger than you are. And that is ultimately going to be a pretty big problem when you are trying to defend a tank. Um, but uh, other than that, I, I don't know... I don't know that I have a ton uh, here. I, I think that this is one that uh, you you uh, I think this is one you bury. This is one that you you experience. You understand what it is. You can look at it. You can watch the film. You can pull individual stuff out of it. You can do like what I did. You know, see players who are doing their jobs. See see guys who are maybe struggling. See guys who are making plays. You can pull that stuff. You can see the young guys what they can do. I think that's exciting. Um, but other than that, you you take this one, you go out in the backyard, you dig a hole, you put this in the hole, you put the dirt over it, and you go on to next week. Um, Weber State is a very winnable game. Very, very winnable. Extremely winnable. Should be a win. If it's a loss, it's a disaster. Um, UNLV is a very, very winnable game, even if they're improved, which I think they are. BYU is the next big test got three weeks to prepare for that one. And I, I think that coming out of this game, coming out of this loss, I don't feel any worse about that game than I did before. Um, I, I don't feel that one is out of reach by any means. I don't think any game left on this schedule was out of reach. And watching the Mountain West this last weekend, watching Boise State, watching San Diego State, I have no reason to think that Utah State is not a top contender for the title. This this hurts if you're Utah State. If you're a Utah State fan, it hurts. It stinks. It stinks to have to play this game. It does. But don't lose the faith here because of this. I, I think that, that is the, the prevailing message. Don't lose the faith. Do not let Alabama beat you twice, three times, four times. It is something that can happen. It has happened before. It will happen again. This is a team that will not just beat you, but that will take a piece of you when it does it. And you have to work specifically to make sure that that does not happen. And it takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort. It takes coaching. It takes really good coaching, really good culture building. I think Utah State has that. I think that Utah State has the the resources, the culture, the team, the roster needed to put this one away and move forward. And, and that's that's uh, that's what it needs to do. More than anything else, that is what it needs to do. 
And I think that Utah State fans, as much as they can, can can try and follow that. Um, go out, support the team next weekend, we or this upcoming weekend for Weber State. Support the team against UNLV in uh, you know September 24th after the after the off week. It's a great off week, great time for an off week. Um, and then uh, <laughs> go down to Provo and Droves for for what should what should be a really big game. It's too bad they're not going to play that anymore. Would be really uh, would be really nice. <laughs> would be really nice. Seems like Utah State has done its part there, but uh, you know, listen. When you're scared of playing an in-state opponent, you're scared of playing an in-state opponent. Nobody blames BYU for being scared. It's fine. Same with Utah. They're, you know, you're allowed to be scared. Nobody's going to make you do anything that you don't want to do, that you're afraid of doing, like going to play Utah State. It's, uh, I get it, you know. You don't want to lose to Utah State. You don't want to lose to an in-state team, which is what would happen <laughs> if they played them. If they played them often enough, you would lose some games. Uh, you go, you, you get them out to Logan, they would lose some games. And that's what they're afraid of. So it's uh, it's too bad, but it is what it is. So go out to Provo and Droves. Go to the go to the Weber State game. Go to the UNLV game. Uh, keep the faith. I think is, is the uh, the message from this. Keep the faith. Take this game and and uh, know it for what it is. Understand what this was. Understand the uh, 1.9 million dollars and what that will do for Utah State and. Keep on moving. I think is the the uh, the marching the marching orders from this one, and I, I think uh, at this point I don't have any reason to disagree with that. I think that that's all fair, and I will uh, I will talk to you all next time for a Weber State preview. Let's see if I can find a Weber State writer. <laughs> That'll be fun. <laughs>